Tonight on Huckabee, Kansas Senator Roger Marshall, legendary funny man Rich Little, NASA space engineer Jose Hernandez, platinum gospel trio Point of Grace. Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Wow. What a great crowd we've got here tonight. So grateful for these folks and happy to have you joining us by television. Hey, what a week in the news, right? Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced that the U.S. Senate has abandoned its longstanding dress code that required jackets and ties for men and business attire for ladies, mostly so that Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who dresses like a junior high soccer player, will get to wear a hoodie, shorts, and sandals on the Senate floor. Hey, did Fetterman think he was running for student council when he campaigned to be a senator, huh? I mean, is showing a bit of respect for the institution or maybe the prestige of the Capitol building itself not enough itself to at least wear something other than what a stoned-out gamer would be wearing while absorbed in hours of PlayStation, for heaven's sakes? 70-year-old Senator Susan Collins joked that she might wear a bikini to the Senate. <laughs> no disrespect to the senator, but gosh, I hope not. <laughs> but if she wants to wear a moo-moo or some sweatpants, knock yourself out. Mitt Romney, who is fortunately announcing he's retiring from the Senate. <laughs> I predict that he will probably start showing up in flip-flops because no one is better at flip-flops than Mitt, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, maybe instead of lowering the standard of the Senate dress code, Chuck Schumer should have just asked the junior senator from Pennsylvania to literally put on his big boy pants and come to the Senate chamber dressed like a grown-up, okay? Maybe that would have been better. I mean, what's next? Casual Friday in the Capitol being clothes optional? <laughs> oh, I mean, that site would sure set up a government shutdown that would truly unite the country, right? <laughs> Democrats, Republicans, and independents would mutually demand the closure of the nation's capital should that happen. I mean, the term naked and afraid would simply be changed to Congress naked and the taxpayers are afraid. By the way, in other news, the debate continues to rage as to whether there should be an age limit for people serving in government. Sure, Joe Biden is 80, but his press secretary said this week that 80 is the new 40. <laughs> I ain't buying that. <laughs> Folks, when I was 40, I didn't have to be led on and off a stage like a terrified three-year-old in a church Christmas pageant. And I could at least speak a complete sentence without screaming or doing the loud whisper routine like someone off his meds. You're going to pay somewhere between 20 and 40% less than those other countries. Same exact drug. 
made by the same exact company. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. What is that about? Really? I'm going to continue this. You know, it's really not age that people are worried about. I mean, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa is 89. He still runs every day. He is as coherent as people a third of his age and one of the most decent people in Washington. You know, it's not how old, but it's how competent. Heck, Clint Eastwood is in his 90s. He's still writing, directing, and acting in some great movies. And get this, Mick Jagger is the same age as Joe Biden. But imagine Joe Biden doing this. At 80 years, young Sir Michael Philip Mick Jagger is still living the rock star life to the fullest. We wish him a very happy birthday. Entertainment Bureau Report, Fion, World is One. Hey, I'm not even close to 80, but I can't do that. <laughs> Folks, it's not that Joe is 80. It's that he slobbers through his sentences and shuffles around like he's trying to found his nurse at the senior citizen's home. That's the issue. And if that wasn't enough drama for the week, here's one that turned all our heads. The U.S. Marines lost an F-35 fighter plane. As Joe would say, not a joke, not making it up. No, the pilot ejected, but the plane kept flying, and for nearly 28 hours, the military could not find it. They couldn't find it. An F-35 fighter jet, the most sophisticated stealth jet in history. I guess we didn't realize just how stealth it really was. <laughs> Our government couldn't find it, and they asked the public, be on the lookout for a F-35. <laughs> I mean, that's what we expect out of a $100 million airplane. I mean, they had to issue an amber alert for the doggone thing. <laughs> My iPhone has a feature that will help me find my phone if I lose it. You can buy little luggage tags to track your bags for about 10 bucks. Maybe in the next round of these planes, when we're spending 100 million bucks for one, we ought to add that feature in there. My wife loses her iPhone at least once a week and her keys every other week. But we always find her phone and her keys, and they aren't nearly as big or as expensive as a jet fighter. But don't worry about that cost. Turns out it was fully insured. As the insurance commercial says, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Now we've seen more than a thing or two. Makes me wonder just who's running the military these days. Oh, that's right. It's Joe Biden. Now I get it. Enough said. Roger Marshall is a father, grandfather, and a medical doctor. He's delivered over 5,000 babies. As House Speaker Kevin McCarthy launched an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, Senator Marshall is saying that he's laser-focused on fighting back against Biden's failed leadership that has caused some skyrocketing inflation, soaring energy costs, and a historic border crisis. I want you to welcome from the great state of Kansas, Senator Roger Marshall.
Senator, great to have you. I, I kind of thought you might come out in a hoodie and uh, some shorts just to sort of pay tribute to the Senate. That has to be one of the most talked about things going on behind the scenes at the Senate right now. Governor, it truly is. Um, this is an embarrassment for the people of Pennsylvania. You know, when you and I go to a wedding, we get dressed up. We put on a suit and a tie to honor the bride and groom. You go to a funeral. We put on a dark suit, a tie to honor the deceased, the family. When I go to the states, to the Senate, uh, to the Senate chamber, I wear a, a suit and tie to honor the people of Kansas. Mm. This is an insult to the people of Pennsylvania, to the people of America, to our founding fathers. I'm surprised that Senator Schumer relaxed that rule, and even some of the Democrats are now speaking out against it. So it hasn't gone over that well, has it? No, it, it's not. It's, it's good to see uh, Dick Durbin, the majority whip, to speak out against it as well. And we have some legislation. We're going to fight back on it. I do think that there's a certain decorum that Americans expect from the United States Senate. Before you came to the Senate, you were a medical doctor. You built a very successful medical practice. And as I said in the introduction, delivered 5,000 babies. That's almost as many people as live in most small towns in America. What led you to say, I'm going to leave the wonderful state of Kansas and go to the devil's town and do the Lord's work yeah. and uh, try to be a, a congressman and then a senator? What, what was the catalyst that yeah. led you to do that? Well, Governor, I think there, there are certain moments in, you, in your life when God speaks to you. And usually God speaks to me through my wife. <laughs> And <laughs> we, we're all relating to that, aren't we? Now, yes, we are. Now, by the way, my wife is here tonight. We just had our 40th anniversary. Congratulations. Wonderful. So um, it's 2015, one of the worst economies of our lifetime. We weren't real happy with the White House. And we had our first grandchild. Mm. And she looked at me and said, look, this country is really broken. You like to fix things. It's time to go. Wow. Much like joining the military, it's what this job yeah. feels like, is serving our nation. You're going through some incredible challenges right now. Uh, inflation is hurting working families. A lot of rich people don't feel it. They can still do whatever they want to do, hadn't touched their lifestyle. But people that have to shop for their groceries and think about what it's costing, those folks, which is most of America, they are hurting these days. And I don't get it that the folks uh, necessarily at the White House fully appreciate that inflation is a gut punch to American families. Yeah, the, the White House is tone deaf in so many issues. Certainly the number one concern I hear from Kansans is the price of gasoline, the price of groceries, the cost of utilities. That's the number one concern. Yeah. Uh, interest rates. You know, it costs twice as much for your first mortgage payment when you buy a new house today than it did when Joe Biden was sworn into the White House. The mm -hmm. mortgage payment has literally doubled. That idea that American dream that you and I grew up with, you know, we wanted to, to buy a house, have a fishing boat and a truck. Uh, that, that's almost yeah. unsustainable in today's world right now for young kids. We have uh, four kids, two of them married with two little children. Uh, my parents living more, you know, paycheck to paycheck, social security check to social security check. Certainly it's hard times. Number one concern for Americans. When, when we're talking about some of these issues, one of the big ones that I think a lot of Americans scratch their head and say, how come this is going on? There is a mess at the border. It breaks my heart because I know there are little kids who are being trafficked as sex slaves being pulled across this border. Um, there are people who are hopeful. They, they, they dream and they want to come and they, they're not bad people, but they've been duped into believing that if they can just step across the border that America is going to take care of every need they have. And, and now we're beginning to see that's simply not realistic. 
Right. So under Joe Biden, I guess, some six, seven million people have entered this country illegally. Uh, our open southern border is the number one most immediate national security threat our nation faces. We're losing over 300 young Americans every day to fentanyl poisoning. Fentanyl made in China, delivered through the cartel across our southern border. Um, it is cheaper to get a fentanyl tablet and easier in Kansas than it is a piece of pizza. For a dollar a tablet, oh. you can have this delivered to your house. The cartel now literally spread throughout Kansas, through, through your home state of Arkansas as well. The cartel is alive and well. And by the way, they're making more money on human trafficking now than they even are on the fentanyl. You know, when uh, we had Jim Caviezel and Tim Ballard here talking about the movie Sound of Freedom, they were mentioning that the cartels are making more money, just what you said. And, and at first you think, how could they be making more money? But you take a pill, it's over. You have a human victim of trafficking, and they get used 10, 12 times a day oh for years. So, you know, when, when I see what's going on, you know, I, my heart breaks because there are, there are families that have great hopes. That's not the issue at the border. It's that people are bringing over the drugs, and they're not staying at the border. They're going all over America to small towns and places where a lot of folks wouldn't think it goes. That's what's really threatening the country. Senator, I want you to stay with us because we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about with Senator Marshall. Please don't go away. Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell us what's coming up after the break in the show? Well, coming up, we've got an astronaut in the house. Jose Hernandez talks about working with NASA and the movie inspired by his life. And later, Rick Scarborough and Steve Fiesel with a woke wake-up call. You're watching Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. We're visiting with Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Senator, when we were talking before, we spent a lot of time talking about the border, but uh, Republicans right now in many ways are embroiled in the discussion about the sanctity of human life. You're one of the most pro-life members of either House of Congress, and I think maybe because as an obstetrician, you've kind of seen birth up close and personal, 5,000 deliveries. What, what is the message that maybe we should be helping Americans to understand about the value of every single human life. Oh, Governor, I, I think that, you know, people ask me, when, when, what was the favorite part of being uh, an OB doctor? And my favorite moment was always hearing that baby's first cry mm. and handing that baby to the new mom and hopefully dad in the room and to see this for the first time in my life, it was this awakening for what God's love must be like for us. Mm. To see this mom, just, just unconditional love for this, this baby as well. Um, I think we have to just keep sharing that message, Governor, but I also think we need to be a message of encouragement uh, to those young ladies that are struggling. Yeah. I've taken care of so many young girls, 14, 15, or 16, mm. and they were deciding what to do 
And we would say, look, I can take care of you with obstetrically, but it was great to have so many resources in my community to, to do more than just that. You know, starting with keeping that young lady in school, making sure she has proper nutrition, whatever, and, and the clothing, all that support as well. And then once that baby's born, is to continue to, to love on that mom and that new baby. And, and I think sometimes we don't emphasize enough that when an abortion happens, there are two victims. The obvious one is the baby, but the other is that birth mother who wasn't told the full story of what was happening to her and what was being done to her and, you know, the the challenges that she'll have later. So I'm grateful, as, as you are, for a lot of the crisis pregnancy centers around the country. They don't get enough credit for the love and the compassion and the affirmation that they give to the birth moms and the help, just the practical things that you just mentioned, which are so valuable. And I hope that that becomes a bigger part of, of our message as a pro-life world. I think that's critically important. We need to sh- share the compassion we have for the mom, for the baby. Show them that you love them. Surround them with all the love you can. You know, give, give, give them rides to, uh, to the doctor's appointment. Get them rides to the grocery store. Whatever you can do, just surround them with all the support and love you can. We're facing in a few more days possible uh, government shutdown, budget crisis. Where do you see this ending? Is it is it going to be resolved? Are we going to see a shutdown? And if so, is that a, a good or a horrible thing well, to happen? Well, well, Governor, I don't know that I've got a crystal ball, but I just want everybody, all your listeners to understand the gravity of the situation, that our national debt is finally coming home to roost that this year alone, the federal government's gonna spend $2 trillion more than we take in. We're gonna spend $700 billion on interest alone. Mm. Anyone that's ran a business, ran a state mm. like you have, realize mm. when you're that far underwater, yeah. when you're paying the bank that much money, there's just not enough money left to give the troops a raise, uh, to take care of some people's health care, those types of challenges as well. So this is really coming home to roost. Whatever it takes for America, for Congress to finally face up to the, to the budget crisis we're in. If that takes shutting the gover- government down for a couple of weeks in order to get our arms around the problem, I'm willing to do that. I, I think a lot of people just want there to be a, a wake-up call in Washington because a government can't spend money it doesn't have and borrow money it can't afford to pay back, and we're doing both. And it seems like that at some point, somebody's got to say, this won't just continue or our grandkids will not be living in an America like we knew it. Governor, I'm sure people, nobody ever came to you and said, we want less money this year. <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, and we're spending now 20% more than, than we should be on, on every program. And so when I tell people painfully, no, I can't support this program anymore. As a matter of fact, we need to cut it down a little bit. No, no one seems to be happy, but we need to stay focused on the next generation, like you just said. Focus on the next generation, not the next election. I'm going to make the right decision. Every day I pray that God will give me uh, justice, uh, Mm. that I'll love mercy, and, of course, walk humbly. So Mm. that's what my prayer is, and I hope that all your listeners are praying for Congress to find out what that justice looks like as we face this budget debt crisis. Senator, I want to say I think a lot of us as Americans are grateful that you are there with your convictions, your values, the world that you have lived in, and you're taking those to Washington. You haven't changed. You're still that guy that grew up in a small town in Kansas. You've taken that heart with you. How grateful all of us need to be for your service. Thank you for your service, and thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you you. very much.
Senator Marshall is on social media. We've got all the details for you at our website. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you to Senator Marshall. Right now, we're going to turn our attention to Keith Bilbrey to see, has he got anything else to tell us about tonight? Because I know he does. Keith? Oh, you better believe it. Coming up, gospel sensation Point of Grace is here to sing their newest single. And watch out, legendary comedian Rich Little is here, and he's capable of anything. You're watching Huckabee. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, he lit up when he heard Trey and the band start playing the song by the band Kansas, Harry Own, Wayward Son. Trey, by the way, is that wayward son they were singing about, I'm pretty sure. Well, as a young migrant farm worker whose family was from Mexico, Jose Hernandez's dream of being an astronaut, well, it seemed impossible. But hard work, determination, and the unwavering support of his family and teachers, it became a reality. The inspiring story of how he became part of the Discovery Space Shuttle crew is told in a new Amazon Prime movie called A Million Miles Away. I saw the movie this week, and I got to tell you, I loved it. And I've been so very excited to meet our next guest. I've been pumped all week about it. I want you to give a big welcome to NASA engineer and astronaut, Jose Hernandez. Jose, so glad to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you, I, I wasn't kidding. This film is so wholesome. It's so inspiring. Your story is a story America needs to know about. And I, I thank you for telling it in this film. Yeah, thank you very much. I think it, 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 uh, it demonstrates that the American dream is alive and well. Mm. Uh, it may take us a little bit more work to get there, but the American dream still exists. Your father was a huge influence. You know, he, he worked in the fields, uh, four children, and yet he would not let you guys quit, and he would not let you think that you could just slack off. Exactly. He taught us a great work ethic. Uh, every Saturday and Sunday, when it was school, during the school year, we were out there working with him and mom. And while a lot of kids love summer vacation, we dreaded it because we knew we had to be out there seven days a week. But that taught us that great work ethic and not to quit and don't be afraid of hard work. But when you're out there in the fields, you're a little kid. I mean, how do you think, I'm going to be an astronaut someday? I mean, that would, for a lot of people, seem an impossibility. Well, you know, the dream was conceived when I was 10 years old. Picture a 10-year-old boy watching a black-and-white TV with rabbit ear antennas. Young folks don't know what rabbit ear antennas are, but... <laughs> Old folks do. But, but, uh, <laughs> but just picture a 10-year-old boy watching the very last astronaut, Gene Cernan, walking on the moon. And there I am saying, that's what I want to be. And I tell my father, who only has a third-grade education, oh. I tell my father, he takes me to the kitchen... And he does two amazing things. First, he validates the dream. He mm. says, I think you can do it. Second, he says, follow this simple five-ingredient recipe, son. He says, determine your purpose in life. Mm. 
recognize how far you are, draw yourself a roadmap, and, uh, and uh, prepare yourself according to the challenge, and develop a work ethic second to none. It says, you mix that up, son, and that's the recipe to succeed in life. And you followed your dad's recipe. I added six ingredients, perseverance, because... <laughs> how many times did you apply to NASA and were told no? 11 times. It wasn't until the 12th time. Every year for 11 years, yes. you applied, applied to be in the astronaut program, and they said no. Exactly. But you perseverance. Got, we've got a clip from the film. I want to watch this and hope everybody sees this film. Let's this go. is when I'm turning in, I think, my 12th application. I think so, yeah. Over the course of the last 10 years, uh, every academic, professional, and personal decision I've made, I've made with the space program in mind. Sure. I have my master's in electrical engineering. I, uh, I'm a pilot now with over 800 hours under my belt. I have my scuba diving certificate. I just ran the San Francisco Marathon. I, wow. And I speak Russian, sir. I, 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 in fact, I volunteered to travel to Siberia as part of the transparency program for the U.S. Department of Energy. I'm the father of five most perfect children and then the husband of uh, the most incredible wife who threatened to leave me if I didn't come here today. Um, I've applied 12 times, and yes, sir, I've, I've been on the verge of giving up after each and every rejection, but you know what, sir? Here I am. So you could turn me down again, but rest assured, I'll be standing here again in a year. Wow. The whole story is, it is so inspiring and encouraging, and I think there's so many people in America that need to know not to give up. Exactly, but don't be afraid of hard work. That's mm. the key. You know, nothing's going to fall from the sky. You got to earn it. You got to work hard. You got to prepare yourself for it. When, when I watch in that film what you went through, I mean, all the different things that you ended up doing, you had a phenomenal wife, have a phenomenal have wife. A phenomenal, yes, I Who has been so encouraging to you in that. <laughs> now you've got a son who has earned his PhD. He's going to be a NASA engineer. That's correct. How cool is that? Following the footsteps, mm. going further, because he has a PhD and uh, he's learning how to fly and scuba dive. I mean, he is an incredible young man, as my three daughters are. And mm. my last one is in his third year of uh, mechanical engineering, so I can see the light of the end of the dark tuition <laughs> tunnel. You, you know, know what I think you're most happy about? Is, Jose, I think what's really exciting to you is that oldest son is off your payroll and on the, that, somebody else's right exactly. now. Exactly. He's off the Hernandez payroll, exactly. got to be a great now. thing. Was it kind of surreal watching your life portrayed on the screen? Was, was there ever a moment you said, oh, my goodness, what? Yes, you never grow up saying, I'm going to grow up so they make a movie about me. You know, I just want to be an astronaut. But then I realized that I became a role model and I embraced that. And I said, you know, we've got kind of like lightning in a bottle here that we need to share mm. to motivate our kids. Because uh, right now, it's, it's kind of hard to get them motivated. And I'm hoping they see the story and they say, if he did it, why can't I? You know, so I, an empowerment process. I, I want my grandchildren to see this story. I want people across America, because some people, maybe they're adults, but they've got kids and grandkids. They need to start thinking, hopefully, yes. toward them. But I think younger people could see this and realize, I need to quit telling myself what I can't do and start working hard for what I can do. Exactly. Jose. Exactly.
Absolutely one of the best films I've seen in a long, long time. Thank you very much, Governor. Oh, thank On you. On Prime Video. I am so thrilled to have you here. And you're right, it can be seen. And if you have Prime Video, you can watch it. It's, it's free on Prime Video. If you don't, it's worth getting uh, Amazon Prime to see this film. It's called yeah. A Million Miles Away. On now, so it's great. It is on, because yeah. I watched it this week. It's streaming right now on Amazon Prime. And if you want trailers and links to stream it, if you go to Huckabee.tv, we have direct links to the streaming process at Amazon. Please see the film. I promise it will inspire you as it did me. Right now, uh, Keith, he may be lost in space, but he's only about 20 feet away. Somehow he's going to find a way to tell us what's coming up next. Well, after the break, Steve Fiesel and Rick Scarborough take on the political woke in their new book, America in the Balance. It's all ahead on Huckabee. Welcome back. One of the reasons we enjoy doing this show is because we have some phenomenal music right here in the theater every single time. And that's because we've got Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, the best band in America. Give them a hand. Steve Fiesel and Dr. Rick Scarborough are both retired pastors who've reached thousands through their sermons. They've teamed up to write a powerful new book. It's called America in the Balance, The American Dream versus the woke nightmare. In it, they expose how positions on vital issues by liberals are in direct opposition to undeniable biblical truths. I think it is a must read before any American goes and votes. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote the forward. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Steve Fiesel and Rick Scarborough. Thank Great you. to have you guys. Thank you. Rick, you and I have known each other for well over 40 years, maybe 45. You have been a consistent voice for biblical truth. I'm not seeing a lot of biblical truth. And Rick, what bothers me, I'm seeing a lot of churches who are just kind of fading away from scriptural teaching. It's frightening, Mike. You know, the Bible says perfect love cast out fear. I'm afraid many of our churches have lost their perfect love for the Savior. There's such an attack on anyone who speaks truth, which you would well know, that it causes a lot of the faint-hearted to back away and, and, and reserve their voice. And the tragic consequence is what we've got in this country right now. Is it because people want to be liked, want to be popular? They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to be canceled. What drives people to just shelter in place and refuse to take a, a proper stand for simple things, that there are two genders, that marriage matters, things that we all grew up believing were right, you know, Mike, when you and I met, I was in my second trip through the seminary. I'm a little older than you are, obviously. But uh, when you and I met, there was a wave of, of young men and women who wanted to serve God. It was right after the Jesus movement, and yeah. the seminaries were just packed. And what I found there was, a, was a 2,000 students who loved Jesus. They'd charge 
hell with a water pistol. Yeah. <laughs> but what I've observed over the years is after they've gone to the second church, the third church, run into controversy, they see their friends who compromise, stay seated, and, and or, or I should say in one place, their kids become accustomed to the same friends, and they lose the fire to go forward and fight the fight. And so what I'm doing right now at this latter stage of my life is going around saying, preachers, you've got another chance now to redeem your whole ministry. Stand up and fight or we lose the country. Mm. Steve, uh, Faisal, uh, you know, when we talk about this whole idea, it, it matters to end well, doesn't it, in, in our lives as whether we're pastors or whether we're just church members. We need to end well by sticking to the stuff. We can't be neutral anymore. When you have political policies that are attacking biblical principles, and if they take those biblical principles into the political arena, we can't say, oh, that's a political issue now. We can't go in there and fight. If you're going to attack the biblical principles that I have been able to say that I'm going to defend as a minister of the gospel, I'm going to go in that political arena and fight for them too because we've got to get the word out. And we've got to wake up America that we cannot be neutral on these issues and we got to vote our values. You know, Rick, there's so many people who say Christians ought to stay out of the political arena. That's, that's dirty business. Don't get involved in that stuff. What's your answer to the folks who, who make that claim? My answer is that's a lie. The, um, a long time ago, I quit trying to talk these guys into getting involved. What I do is I look for the ones who are willing to get involved and empower mm. them. Men who followed your example. You know, uh, you and I met in seminary, but I preached revivals in churches where you were standing. And then one day I heard you were running for political office. I had nothing but admiration for you. And what God did through you, not only in the state of Arkansas, but now to the whole country, is an example to those who, who are willing to fight, who are willing to endure the battle. Jesus plus one, actually Jesus plus no one is a majority, <laughs> but Jesus plus one can get a lot done. Yeah. What do you feel like, and I'll ask both of you this question, if there's one big cultural or social issue that we are looking at today on the landscape that is most detrimental to being able to maintain a, a biblical worldview, what is it? Well, I would answer that this whole transgender thing, this is an attack on the very person of God. God created male, God created female. To deny that truth is to deny to who God is. Yeah. So that's, to me, the issue. Steve, your view? Well, I say the darkest day in American history was not Pearl Harbor or 9-11. To me, it was June the 25th, 1962, when they took prayer out of school. Mm. And... We've got things that are taking, like now we got drag queens in school. Hey, if blackface is wrong, white people dressing up by, by as black people and demeaning black people, then males dressing up like women, demeaning women, that is wrong also too. And we need to stand against that. You know, that's, that's a very logical assumption, but people don't make that connection and it's just hard for me to understand well the book is one that people need to get and read I, I think it is a, a great book for people who are engaged it's a great book for people who maybe aren't sure they need to be engaged it's called America in the Balance and you can get this book it's uh, available right now you can order it find it at bookstores and I hope you will to make it easy, we have links for you at Huckabee.tv so that you can get the book. And speaking of getting something, 
Keith Bilbrey is going to get the opportunity to tell us what else is on the show tonight. Keith? Well, get ready, Governor. The legendary comedian and impressionist Rich Little is in the house. Will he do your favorite president? Stay tuned and find out. You know, it is impossible to add up all of Rich Little's appearances on talk, variety, and game shows because numbers just don't go that high. He may be the most popular TV guest of all time. He certainly is here on this show where he holds the record for the most appearances by any guest we've ever had for a reason. He also tours and performs regularly at the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Hotel in Vegas. My wife and I already have tickets to go see him in person in Las Vegas in December. I want you to welcome back one of my favorite guests, the king of impressionists, Rich Little. Thank you. Well, I'm still alive. <laughs> I am just delighted to be back on the Mike Huckabee show. I really am. And, of course, at my age, I'm delighted to be anywhere. <laughs> except on the border. But um, <laughs> is everybody in a good mood tonight? Yeah. Well, I'll put a stop to that. <laughs> I would like to do for you tonight George Burns, Clint Eastwood, and Humphrey Bogart. Starting out with Humphrey Bogart. Uh, my name is Sam Spade. I'm a detective. All right, shut up and listen, fat man. I guess you thought I was going to play the patsy for you. Well, I play the sap for nobody. I do know this, Gutman. You had the weasel here call Mrs. McAdoo and told her to call Archer. So you see, fat man, there's only one person who could have killed my partner. Uh, that was me, because I'm the only one who understands this speech. <laughs> that was the whole movie, by the way. The Maltese Falcon. If you, if you haven't seen the movie, that was the whole plot I just gave you. And it didn't make any sense either. But nobody seemed to care. All right. Uh, Clint Eastwood. You know, before I was an actor, I was a plumber. 
And one day I was up in this lady's bathroom and I said to her, do I hear four flushes or do I hear five? <laughs> to tell you the truth and all the confusion, I, I can't seem to remember myself. But seeing this as the most powerful toilet bowl in the world, capable of blowing a man's butt off with one flush. <laughs> you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? <laughs> well, do you, punk? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Make my bidet. <laughs> <laughs> George Burns. George Burns. I love George Burns. <laughs> How are you? Listen, I'll be with you in an hour. You know, back in the 30s, back in the 30s, before I met Gracie, I was engaged to a wonderful gal and we were going to get married. And then the night before the wedding, for some strange reason, she called it off. It was over, just like that. I couldn't believe it, but it happened. However, the next morning when she woke up, she felt bad about what she did. And she sat down and wrote me a final letter. Here's what she said. I'm returning every present that you gave me. I'm sending back each letter that you wrote. Every sweet momentum that we cherish. The locket that I wore around my throat. Enclosed, you'll find the mortgage on the house, dear. That affair, you must admit, is true. I'm returning everything except the baby. That's the one thing that I didn't get from you. <laughs> oh, pretty baby. That's the one thing that I didn't get from you. Fred Astaire. Eat your heart out. Yeah, that's that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Do you get a sense that this crowd loves you this a little crowd bit, is Rich? Great. Wow. Do you remember, yes. remember the year I came here and they had the ice storm? And oh, yeah. You, there was nobody here. Nobody here. Nobody here at all. And I got a great reaction. We did. Rich, there's a reason we love having you, and we'll keep having you back as long as you will come. Hey, for Thank tour you. dates and to get tickets to see the incomparable Rich Little or to buy his book, if you'll head to Huckabee.tv, we will hook you up. And maybe I'll bump into you when I'm out there at his show in December in Vegas. Right now, Keith is going to try to make as good an impression 
on you as he can. He's going to tell you what's next. Well, up next, Point of Grace celebrates 30 years making gospel music, and they're here to sing their new song at the table. Pull up a seat. We'll be right back. celebrates 10 years of helping a hero, and Brian White sings his classic 90s hit, Waiting on Gold. Well, I love this show because both the comedian and the musical act are among my all-time favorite guests. Point of Grace is a multi-award-winning contemporary Christian group they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of their debut album and the release of their brand new album called Turn Your Eyes. It comes out October 20th. And on that same day, TBN will be airing the Dove Awards where they just happen to have two more nominations for Dove Awards. These ladies got their start at my alma mater, Washita Baptist University in Arkansas. They even sang at my daughter's wedding because I begged them to do it. That's why. I am so very happy to welcome them back to the show, Point of Grace. Welcome back. You know, two more Dove Award nominations, that's a big deal. 30 years in the business, most people don't last that long. It is. We were really surprised, yeah. and we were very honored to, to have that happened to us this year after all these years. I'm not surprised because you Aww. keep turning out phenomenal music. Thank You've got you. a big Christmas show coming up uh, this year. Tell us about that. Yes. We do have our Christmas show. We um, That's really our favorite time of the year to, you know, all the bells and whistles to get dressed up because we kind of like to get dressed up. <laughs> but it's just such a fun time. And we've got some great Christmas records that Christmas music is timeless. And so it's just always fun. And we have... Um, we have a city near you, so figure it out <laughs> yeah. and come see us. Oh, sure. So it is a, a a big tour that you're going to be out on the road. Well, it's big for us. I mean, right. 12 yeah. cities for us is big. Yeah, but that's that's still a lot of travel right during yeah. the Christmas season. Yeah, it is. So the, the new album comes out in October. Mm-hmm. What are we going to hear on it? New stuff? It's got a little little new, a little yeah. borrowed, a little blue. Um, yes, we wrote a song that we're going to do here tonight. Um, and then um, it's got some hymns with a twist. Turn Your Eyes is called Turn, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. It's taken from that. Um, we have songs like It Is Well. And then some um, wonderful worship of like Awesome God that we redid of Rich Mullins and... Um, Waymaker, a lot of just yeah. great, just it's a, it's a mix, a mix of stuff for the church. Well, I'm glad you oh, have great. stayed together this long because the music never gets old. It Thank keeps you. getting better. And it's why we love having Point of Grace on this show and always will. So please never say no. Okay. When we ask <laughs> never, you. never say no. Well, Keith, while the group and I get ready to make some music for these good folks, why don't you tell the viewers how they can keep up with Point of Grace and make that Christmas show? Well, to get the album Turn Your Eyes and tickets on their Gloria tour, just visit Huckabee.tv. You can also watch an online-only performance of Turn Your Eyes. Now, performing at the table with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, Mike on bass, here's Point of Grace. <laughs>